Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. In an article from two weeks ago, there was a growing concern that terrorists were pouring in through the southern border. In fact, according to NBC News, 160 migrants whose identities match those on terror watch lists have been stopped trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border. And as the conflict in Israel escalates, with many people getting very heated over the issue, there is a growing concern that something may occur in the United States in response to this. There are videos coming out of Australia of protesters. They're chanting things that are very abhorrent. There are protesters in the United States. There's protesters in Europe. And these individuals are expressing pleasure at the murder of Israeli civilians. There are people who, after Hamas murdered civilians, went into homes, kidnapped, killed, and there are reports of suspected rapes, celebrated this. Because these far leftists in, say, New York City are saying, well, they're all evil colonizers. At the same time, we have the more principled individuals who are concerned about what's going on in Palestine, calling for a ceasefire and saying you can't blame the Palestinian people for what Hamas does. Listen, my friends, it's called war. This is the reality. We don't like it when civilians die. Fine. When Hamas comes in and explicitly targets civilians, that's evil. When Israel targets civilian structures, it is not the same thing, but it is still bad that civilians die. And this is a large component of the conflict. I do not like that residential areas are carpet bombed and civilians die. But Israel's reacting to an attack from Hamas. The left argues that, yes, but Palestine is an open air prison and these people don't have access to resources. And now Israel's cutting off food, water, etc. Yo, I can't answer the problems to all this war, but I'll just tell you plainly, I can't speak to the history of Israel. But if the argument is you're trapped in a prison, so you're trying to break out. And when you do, you go murder civilians. It doesn't fly. I'm sorry, that argument doesn't make sense. And then when you have these people target and murder civilians to then come out and say, oh, no, no, ceasefire, ceasefire. It's like you realize Israel's going to target whatever they have to to stop the rocket fires 
uh, rocket firing into Tel Aviv. I'm sorry, you can argue for whatever side you want. It's war. Civilians die. This is why war is bad. But the big concern now is, does it come to the United States? And if it does, what form will it be? For now, I don't know. But this is why so many people are saying the Biden administration has failed on the southern border. It's funny that the Biden administration says, "Okay, we're going to build a wall. And then they say, oh, no, we're not going to build a wall. You've got Eric Adams in New York saying, we've got to deal with this migrant crisis. It will destroy this city. But the border should remain open. This is the concern that many on the left don't understand about what's happening on the southern border. We don't know who is coming in. We should have border security. And it's funny. I mean, hundreds of years ago, you didn't. But now we have maximum, uh, we have mass population, population density. And we have people around the world who hate us and want to sever the ties between Israel and the United States. So I will tell you this. We will read the story. And then I want to talk to you about what's going on once again with Israel and uh, Palestine. When you have people who despise us, they will exploit this problem. They will exploit this and create such tensions in the U.S. that many on the right are going to outright say, why are we involved with Israel in the first place? Why are we experiencing this blowback when we don't need to be? Now, Israel is a strategic ally for the United States. And that's a fact. Militarily, intelligence, weapons manufacturing, these things all occur in Israel. And Ian Crossland pointed out perhaps the reason we're so interested in maintaining uh, the defending Israel is that it provides a sort of eastern protection of the Suez Canal. Egypt works with us. We got our issues. Israel works with us. And thus the Suez is plainly under Western control. It's a a very powerful uh, canal. When that boat got stuck in the Suez, it disrupted trade to an extreme degree. And you know what? The West controls it. But now we face blowback. Very briefly, I'll I'll show you this story and then we'll talk about where Biden currently is at. The number of people on terror watch lists stopped at U.S. border has risen. And this is just from about a month ago. I said a couple weeks, but it's it's just shy of a month, three weeks. They say this year, U.S. border agents have encountered a growing number of individuals on the FBI's terrorist watch list trying to enter the country via the southern border, according to Homeland Threat Assessment released Thursday by the Department of Homeland Security. As of July, 160 migrants whose identities matched those in the terrorist screening data set have been apprehended by Customs and Border Protection trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in 2023, compared to 100 in 2022. The number of all people, including U.S. citizens in the terror watch list, who had been stopped at the southern border as of July uh, of this year was 216. Wow. 216 people so far. The year ain't even over. In fact, that was only in July, about a half, half, uh, halfway through the year. There were 216 compared to 165 for the entire year of 2022. The number is more than doubling. The number of border crosses on the watch list was higher in 2019 at 280. So, okay, it went down a little bit. Now it's coming back up. A DHS official told reporters that the increase from fiscal 2022 to 23 is consistent with overall increase in migrants crossing at the border. The question people are asking, and that we've heard quite a bit, will there be terror attacks and disruptions within the United States in support of Palestine, Hamas, etc.? Yes. Here's what I, I can't stand. What I can't stand in all of this are the leftists saying, you cannot blame the Palestinian people for what Hamas is doing. Hamas certainly blames the Israeli civilians for what the Israeli government is doing. And that is not a justification of any civilian being harmed. It is to point out these people are hypocrites and they are liars. In the same breath, they scream in the streets of New York City that 
the it was illegal colonizers who were attacked. Some lady dancing at a, at a, at a dance party. That's who was killed. And many others. They didn't have weapons. They're just dancing. But you know what? To the left, they're all evil colonizers and oppressors. So when they're killed, these people celebrate it. When rockets are fired at Tel Aviv, they celebrate it and they clap and cheer in New York City. And then when you say Israel is going to target the buildings by which the rockets are being fired, they say, you're taking civilians. That's what I see. I see these tweets. Sorry. Look, man, I'm not here to take a side in a conflict. I'm here to point out you target and murder civilians and fire rockets at civilians. Israel is going to target where those rockets come from and where the leaders are. And there will be collateral damage in war. And that's why war is bad always. And that's why I am almost entirely opposed to foreign intervention. It's why I'm almost entirely opposed to our involvement in these military affairs, because war is bad. War is hell. And the best thing I can say is we don't participate. But you know what the reality is in the United States is that, uh, oh boy, we overwhelmingly do. Now we have this from NBC News. Biden faces competing pressures in responding to the attacks in Israel. The left wing of the Democratic Party is being increase, increasingly critical of Israel, and it hinted at a willingness to remain so even after the attacks. I, 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 I can't speak to the history of Israel and Palestine. Sorry, can't do it. I'm 37. It's been around a lot longer than me. But the people that come out and make the argument that because a war happened in 1948, they're justified in murdering civilians. Sure, Hitler would like to have a word with you. World War One happens. Germany loses a lot of its land. Hitler then decides, and this is only 10, 15 years on, 20 or so years on, that because of that, he's justified in declaring war in these other countries to get that land back. And then you get World War II. Bad things happen. Look, I don't have all the answers, my friends. I can just tell you, like, killing civilians because a war happened 75 years ago. I have this video that I want to show you as I talk about war. Let me see if I can find it. I got a lot of stuff pulled up. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's, let's just do this. Let's give you some of the quick news first, and then we're probably going to go long talking about moral philosophy and stuff. American Airlines Pilot Union calls for flights to Israel to be stopped. It is not prudent or appropriate to knowingly put our flight crews and passengers in harm's way by maintaining flights into a war zone. Yeah, you can't land in Tel Aviv if they're firing rockets at Tel Aviv. I don't know what else to tell you. They're right. They're right. This will disrupt a trade. And now we're seeing efforts to normalize relations in the region destabilizing. It's unfortunate. Cernovich says, special operations purge over the vaccine. Strategic oil supply drained. Artillery shell shortage. White men who make up combat arms declared enemy of the regime. Vet bros LMA laughing at the idea of being called back. World War III not looking good. Who is going to fight it and with what? It'll be conscription. We'll see. Or we just get decimated. Pesobic tweets. White House staffer. Biden keeps bringing up Ukraine during briefings on Israel. He's getting the two wars mixed up. Austin barely showing up to them anymore. Blinken making more decisions than anyone. Where is Joe Biden? It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. 
you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. I want to pull up this uh, uh, video that Al Jazeera uh, Plus posted on October 9th. In the midst of this conflict and war, just the other day, this is what Al Jazeera Plus had to say, and we'll break this down. When is a border not a border? When it's a fence that Israel built to create the world's biggest open-air prison. Since March 30, 2018, thousands of Palestinian refugees trapped inside Gaza have taken part in the March of Return, demanding the right to return to their homes in what is now Israel. Israel built a 25-mile fence and has shot people protesting near it, saying it's defending its border. But this fence isn't a border. You know how we know that? Because Israel said so back in the 1990s. When Israel and the Palestinian Authority signed the Oslo Agreements, this is how they talked about the fence. The security fence erected by Israel around the Gaza Strip and the line demarcated by the fence shall be authoritative only for the purpose of the agreement. That acknowledges that the line followed by the fence is not a border. I doesn't really. I, I really don't understand their semantic argument on this one. They're saying the security fence around Gaza and the line demarcated by the fence shall be authoritative only for the purpose of this agreement. OK, so they have agreement that there is a line demarcating this fence. What's their point? Well, let's, let's play the video. By the fence is not a border. Israel wants to portray Gaza as a separate country full of people who want to invade Israel. In fact, international law says Gaza is still under Israeli occupation. The idea that there is actual Palestinian sovereignty in the Gaza Strip or even the West Bank is false. Israel continues to control all aspects of life in the Gaza Strip and as such is deemed under international law to still be the occupying force. So my question is, the, the video says Israel wants to portray the people in Gaza as an as an invade, uh, uh, as defending their country and these people want to invade their country. Well, what do you call it when a bunch of people paraglide in and start murdering civilians? The, the, the discussion we had last night is once again, I, I'm not a fan of anything that's going on in the in, in you know, the conflict and people have called it an open air prison. And there are a lot of questions about that. Uh, it, life is not easy in Gaza. But when people storm out and start murdering civilians, I kind of wonder, right? Imagine what it would have been like if Hamas soldiers, troops and terrorists, whatever you want to call them, broke the fence down, bulldozed it, paraglided in, went to the civilians and said, please evacuate, rounded up the civilians, got them into their vehicles and sent them on their way and then secured the areas they deemed to be their ancestral homeland. We'd be having a very different conversation. We would. Instead, they started murdering civilians and burning down houses and, and just said that these are evil colonizers. So you kind of lose your arguments about the moral high ground when your actual view is you will murder anyone who is in this territory. The argument from uh, pro-Israel, the pro-Israel side is these leftists in New York and in Gaza are chanting from the river to the sea, which basically means the entirety of Israel will be 
they want to wipe it out. They want to com- complete control over it. No compromise, period. When they kill civilians in the process, I don't believe there is a peaceful solution when one side says they will, they will just murder all of you, no matter who you are, even if you're a tourist. It is rumored that Americans are under the ho- are, uh, hostages as well. Let me play more. In 2010, the UN called Gaza a large open air prison, and it's not hard to see why. There are only five crossing points on the Israeli fence, and three of those have been closed for years. Of the two that remain, only one of those is for people. Oh, hold on a minute. Where's where's the where's Rafa, the Egyptian crossing? They don't. This is interesting. Al Jazeera Plus doesn't even mention the Egyptian crossing, the Rafa border. Weird. The two that remain, only one of those is for people. In September 2018, Israel allowed less than 6,000 people to exit through the Erez crossing. Israel even limits what goes into Gaza through the fence. Sage, cardamom, ginger, dried fruit, and potato chips have all been on the prohibited list. It controls things that demonstrate the degree to which it occupies the territory, including the population registry. So if someone is born in the Gaza Strip and they are not registered within the Israeli authorities, they do not exist. They are unable to travel outside of the Gaza Strip. More than two-thirds of people living in Gaza are registered refugees whose families were forced out of their homes by Zionist militias in 1948 in what became Israel. Is, 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 a, is a war 75 years ago justification for the murder of civilians who were born 50 years after this. Again, if they had broken down the fences or, or let's say they, they tore the fences down and then advanced, I don't know, uh, uh, 300 yards and then said, we are reclaiming this territory in the name of the people who's been opp- who were oppressed by the Zionists who came to Israel, et cetera, et cetera. Evacuated civilians, protected them, apologized and said, listen, this is war. Get out of here. Very different question. The interesting thing about this video, they put it out during the conflict and they don't point out Egypt has a border with Gaza. And Egypt certainly could allow these people many, uh, um, they, they could allow uh, supplies that they don't. Israel's Jewish majority was cemented by expelling four out of every five Palestinians who had lived there. So this fence stands between Palestinians and their former homes from which they were evicted and to which they've been forbidden from returning. It confines them to a strip of land in which they've been imprisoned as refugees for generations. To the Palestinians of Gaza taking part in the march of return, they're not breaching another country's borders. They're simply attempting to go home. And in the process, massacring civilians. Uh, That's it. Now you can, like, look, there's a lot of videos. There's a video where there are men carrying out bodies that are covered. Maybe it's fake. Maybe it's propaganda. I, I, I got no problem saying that. There are photos of people. It's like this person died doing this thing. And I'm like, maybe not. I don't believe it. But there are some videos that are Occam's razor, probably true, probably real. Internet sleuths have figured out who some of these people are. I don't think that uh, when, when, when protesters in New York City celebrate the killing of evil colonizers, civilians, and celebrate the bombing of Tel Aviv, civilians, I kind of believe the videos are real and that Hamas absolutely intends to murder civilians. You see what this is? Look, I don't like any of the conflict. I'm not a historical scholar expert, but I can tell you outright, they're just simply trying to return to their homes. That's a, that's a lie. They, they want to kill evil colonizers. That's what they claim to be doing. Egypt has a border crossing. They don't mention that either. The far left lies. It's what they do. 
I do not think Israel is innocent. I think war always has its has has its wrongdoings and cash and, and uh, collateral damage. It's hard to it's hard to re- realize. But what's the argument right now? People people come out and they say Israel is bombing civilians, and it's like, bro, are they really doing that or are you lying? Okay, this is the problem. They put out a video and they say they're simply trying to go home, bro. They massacred civilians. We watched it happen. And then they say the same people Israel's targeting civilians. Are they? Or are they targeting military leaders and terrorists who have killed civilians and are trying to take out weapons depots? I don't trust the lies. I don't. I do not believe that Vladimir Putin is a comic book villain who wants to just take over Ukraine and then march on Poland. That makes no sense. Give me a strategic reason why the leader of a nation would make a move. Okay, here's one. They have a military naval base in Crimea. They need access to the Black Sea. There's other means of access too. they have a military base in Tartus. They want access. And that's uh, the Mediterranean. I believe Mediterranean. They want access to the Black Sea. They want to be able to trade. So why do they invade and then take the Donbass and move on down to the land uh, to take this territory? It's a land bridge. That's how it's been described to make sure that they have land access to Crimea. The argument that they would then try to advance on Poland makes no sense, especially when people say that Vladimir Putin's forces are being decimated and pushed back, repelled. So they can't take Poland. OK, comic book villainy makes no sense. There are narratives and ideologies at play here which spell things out. Why does Israel bomb a school? We know that Hamas uses these schools, the al qassam brigades, to fire rockets into Israel. Israel says, warning to civilians in the areas, evacuate. This is being used as a weapons base and we're taking it out. It is comic book villainy to say that Israel is just blowing up civilians for no reason. Why does Hamas target civilians? Again, I'm not even going to play the comic book villainy route to Hamas and to many of these people in Palestine, even the civilians. In fact, the civilians, especially they're all in Israel forced to join the IDF and each and every one of them is an occupying force. The people who are celebrating and dancing are exacerbating the problem and are occupying their land. They view them as evil. So I'm, I don't play these stupid games. But we'll, uh, we'll pull up some tweets. We have, uh, uh, we have Ben Shapiro and Andrew Tate in an argument. Andrew Tate made this video that I want you to hear because Andrew Tate is correct. I'll play it for you now. The only people who advocate violence are people who are not particularly familiar with violence. Professional fighters try very hard not to get in street fights. We know how ugly true violence is. There's a lot of people who are like, yeah, war, yeah, violence. If it came to your doorstep, you would be begging for peace. We may want war when it's somewhere else. We may want war for theaters and theatrics and ideologies. I think war is funny to look at on Twitter. But when it comes to you, you would run like as fast as you could and beg for peace. Uh, I will say uh, Andrew Tate is correct, but he's somewhat wrong, somewhat wrong. And the reason I say he's wrong only is because that they wouldn't just beg. They'd be crying. They would have snot pouring from their from their nose all over their mouths with tears. Uh, grown men screaming and begging, crying and praying for it to stop. Because people don't understand. And I think when you look at all the news around people supporting the conflict and the war, these ideologues in New York clapping and cheering these far leftists. Here's the funny thing. If one of these far leftists in support of Palestine was in Israel protesting Israel and they went down to this this music festival and were actually saying things like this is wrong and, and Israel should not do what they're doing in Gaza. Hamas 
would have beaten them to death and dragged their corpses through the street. Why? Because they're Americans. Doesn't matter what you support. The issue is that in war, no enemy combatant is going to stop and ask the individual at this rave or whatever, the colonizers, whatever they want to call them, they're not going to stop and ask, do you support Palestine or Israel? They're going to say, we've, we're, we're here and we're taking this land and you're all evil. That's the reality of war. If war really came to everyone's doorstep, people really don't get it. There are a lot of people who think they're badass and they're like, I could survive and I could do it. And it's funny when even I say things like I, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to, uh, I, I, I specifically last left, uh, conflict zones because conflict got too hot. They're like, Tim thinks he's so tough and he could survive. And like, uh, I'm saying quite the opposite. When I was covering these conflicts, uh, I was in Turkey during the Gezi Park unrest. Eh, not that, not that big a deal on the grand scale of things, a lot of tear gas. And uh, I never feared for my life because people were not being murdered, but people were Molotoving. There was fighting. Good Kurds fighting with, um, I think it was, was it Kurds fighting with the Turkish place? It's been 10 years, man. And uh, when I went to Egypt, I left when it escalated to more civil conflict, civil war. It was civil unrest and revolution, the second one. But when they brought in the APCs, I said, guys, that's about it for me. In Ukraine, I left before they started unloading uh, live rounds and shooting people when they were ousting Yanukovych. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You know, my, my, my capabilities are civil unrest. You know, that's it. And when it got to the point of civil war, conflict or hot war, I'm like, guys, this is beyond my capabilities. I have minimal first aid training. I do. I have first aid training, hostile environment training, better than the average person. But you know what you need? You need former military. So a lot of news organizations hire former military with security expertise and, and decade, a decade plus in the field who know how to handle war to provide the information and the context on the ground. That's where I say I'm out. I couldn't do it. I'm just some dude uh, who can handle some riots. That's it. If war really broke out, man, I'd probably do better than most only because I'm listening to the news. But, uh, you know, the average person, their capabilities. Tristan Tate tweeted, people on Twitter who I notice aren't in the Middle East are trying to drag every follower into an absolute position. He says, reminder, you can sympathize totally with the Palestinian cause and also condemn the actions of individual soldiers aligned with Hamas. Sympathize totally with Israeli standpoint and condemn the carpet bombing of neighborhoods containing women and children. Stop trying to force everybody into absolute alignment with everything done by one particular side. People who say there are gray areas aren't wrong. I pray for peace. I agree with the overall message, but I still have to push back to a certain degree. When he says that you can sympathize, he's, he's right. 
But let me just point out. These the, 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 the people claiming that Palestinian civilians are not Hamas, yet the, the people in support of Hamas view this as their resistance fighters. They do. I don't want civilians being harmed or killed, and many of them are not fighting. But this is war. Uh, that's it. There is no answer. There is no simple, simple solution. Collateral damage happens in war. If Hamas wages war and uses civilian locations, civilians will die. Sympathize with Israel for sure. It's war. People want to tell you who's right, who's wrong, and they get so insane about it. Try having a rational conversation with someone as you can't. It's crazy. We've had guests on Timcast IRL, their blood boils. They start Israel has done this, Israel. And I'm like, calm down, dude. It's war. Acting like Palestine is not causing problems or killing civilians. Bro, it's all bad. But the logic here is like, they go back to 1948. Israel did this. Sure they did. What do I do now? I'm alive now. How do we stop the fighting? The answer is not allowing Hamas to go and kill civilians. Maybe this could be the end of Gaza. I, I, I don't know. It, it, maybe. Mario Noffel says, Justin, the U.S. special uh, reporter, reporter for human rights in Palestine. We are horrified by what is happening and we call for a truce. And Ben Shapiro says they can F right off. Why? Well, Ben Shapiro is looking at it this way. Hamas killed a bunch of civilians. They fired 5,000 rockets from civilian locations, from hospitals and schools into Israel, targeting civilians and celebrated it. Israel responds by blowing these targets up. There's collateral damage and it affects civilians. So he says, F right off. We're going to take out Hamas. Andrew Tate says, Mr. Tough Guy, let me assure you as someone who has done his own fighting, as opposed to excitedly encouraging others to do it for him while sitting at a home in a comfy chair, peace is always worth a conversation. And I agree with Andrew Tate. Ben Shapiro says, I call, uh, he, he said, Ben Shapiro then said, you know, criticized Andrew Tate for pimping out women saying that people who are raping and uh, rape women and kidnap children must be eradicated. This is the issue. Ben Shapiro is calling for the rape and people who rape and, uh, women and kidnap children to be eradicated. But the point being made by Andrew Tate is that there are civilians caught in the crossfire. There's no answer, man. I, I'm not going to get in the middle of this. I don't know what to tell you. I have no idea. I agree with Ben Shapiro. The raping and murdering of, chi- uh, uh, the raping and murdering of kidnapping of children, the killing of civilians, these people must be stopped. And then the argument is, yes, but civilians are being killed in, 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 in the crossfire. And it is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. It's war, baby. War no, no, knows no morals, only victory. You can talk about what we should do or shouldn't do. But in the end, those who are willing to look. If Hamas massacred every civilian in Israel and they won the war, that'd be it. They'd set the narrative. They'd control the tone. Israel is the victor here. Israel is stronger and has gained more ground. So these people say they're evil. They're the villains. If it was the other way around and Israel and the Jews were confined to the Gaza Strip, the narratives would be inverted. But here we are. It is only because Israel can defend itself. If the Iron Dome did not exist, the narrative would be very different. Bombings of civilian targets, people dead. But Israel has the means to defend itself and it will. And there will be collateral damage because it's war. And then everyone wants to assert who's right or who's wrong. Yo, if Hamas wasn't blowing up civilians and targeting civilians, Israel would not be blowing up buildings in, in, in Gaza. And then they argue if Israel wasn't occupying this territory and locking, you know, Palestinians in an open air prison, then there wouldn't be bombings on civilian targets like, bro, I'm sorry, there's no justification for bombing civilians. And 
then they say, what would you have the Palestinians do? Just do nothing and just remain locked up in their open air prison and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, like I said, if they broke the barricades down and that's all they did and said, we will not be in an open air prison. We demand access to resources and goods. Then it'd be, it'd be a different story. That's not what they did. They broke the barricades down, paraglided and, and murdered civilians. And this is where we are. There's no easy answer. Sorry. Tristan Tate responded saying, I'm sure only I'm sure only men who fight for Hamas die in these airstrikes. You're praising the footage from the ground says otherwise. Either you've changed your tune 22 hours later. OK, look. What should Israel do? Should Israel say, let, let him keep firing rockets at us? That would make sense, would it? But you see, people are ideologically bent. They say Israel's an occupying force and they're evil. Therefore, the bombing of civilians is justified. Or they say, well, well Hamas is doing it and, and it's not the Palestinian civilians. Why are the civilians getting hit? I'm sorry, dude. Welcome to war. This is why I think war is bad. But that's it. This is the nature of reality. You know, you watch that. There's that video I brought up where hyenas are eating a gazelle alive. And we say like, oh, that poor animal. Well, the hyenas got to eat, right? Should the hyenas starve to death and cease to exist? Dude, I don't know what to tell you, man. Israel will Israel, the stronger force here with international support, is not going to let their civilians be bombed. They're going to target the locations used by Hamas. Hamas uses human shields. Hamas targets civilians as well. That's it. Welcome to war, baby. Everyone's going to blame someone else, but it doesn't matter. History is written by the victor and war is hell. I can only say this. It may come to the U.S. doorstep. And you will cry and you will pray and you will beg that it didn't. There's a lot of people who talk about national divorce. There's no such thing. This is national divorce. This is two groups of people opposed to each other. Let's say the United States fell into a national divorce. One state is going to be like, we need access to water. They're not going to let you just take it from them. They want to survive. There will be war and conflict. People will say, you know, my family owned that land in Colorado and now they were forced into Oklahoma, but that land belongs to me, but they don't recognize it anymore. The far left will take a Chaz chop, right? You're going to end up with a Seattle situation where far leftists come in and they take over several blocks. And then they say, this is now property of the occupied territory or whatever. This is, or the, 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 what do they call? They called it the occupied protest or whatever. Far leftists will seize buildings. Someone will then say, my family built that. My great grandfather built that building and they took it from me and I have a right to it. Then they're going to go in and kill the people running the store there. The people running the store there are going to be oblivious to what's going on because they're just civilians who are given a building by the people who seized it 10 years ago. And they're going to say, these people came in and killed civilians. And the people are going to be like, they had stolen my building from my family. You see where this goes? Everybody is right. Everybody is wrong. It doesn't matter. It comes down to brutal, bloody force that we all hate. There's no easy answers, my friends. Should the people of Palestine just let Israel stay on, the, on this territory? Don't know what to tell you. Should the U.S. be involved? Yeah, no, definitely not. But we are, and we have been for basically ever. So this just won't stop. It won't stop until one side is gone. That's war. And, and, and there's, you know, the people who are like, Israel should respect this and do this. Israel ceasefire. Okay, Israel does ceasefire. What happens next? More bombings, more civilians killed. I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm just saying that will happen. It's a question I asked in response to this article. Heretz writes, opinion, Israel can't imprison two million guys without paying a cruel, cruel price. They wrote this uh, yesterday. Okay. Honest question. You tear down the fencing around the Gaza Strip and say free movement for all. What happens? 
everyone's going to laugh. So obviously, they're going to go and start massacring people. Okay, so what do we do? They can't imprison people without paying a price. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if they take those, those barricades down, they'll just go and start murdering a bunch of civilians like they already did. So what do you do? I don't have the answers for you, my friends. I don't. All I can really say is we should secure our borders and make sure this conflict doesn't come to our streets. Although I think it's fair to say the U.S. is already involved. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. War is hell. You do not want war. You do not want war. The latest reporting, a story that's going viral that every pundit is picking up. Hamas terrorists murdered 40 babies, including beheadings, says report. Israeli soldiers discovered horrific scenes at Kfar Aza Kibbutz near the Gaza border. There's a lot that needs to be said about this. And the first thing is be wary of the fog of war. Be wary of propaganda. However, I've 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 watched a bunch of videos, man. And when I heard stories about beheaded babies, it's, it's, it's insane to even say the videos I've watched. I would just say this. My initial reaction is. I hold some skepticism to the severity by which uh, this is being reported. And I would imagine that likely what did happen is, uh, what happened is, um, yeah, they probably did find dead babies. The idea that there are just massive amounts of babies who are all beheaded, seemingly ritualistic, ritualistically, I, I don't think is, is true, but I believe there were probably uh, some babies that were found killed. And the reason why I think this is likely true is, Look, man, there are videos of civilians panicked and fleeing. And, uh, dude, I, I watched a video of two militants killing people point blank range. Some of these videos are hard to find. Some of them are hard to watch, but uh, you can find them if you're doing the digging. It's war. It's hard to know what is true and who is who is right and who is wrong. But uh, I think there's more than enough videos that can't be faked to at least give us at least present the idea that the probability lies with stories like this being true. But I must warn all of you. And again, I will stress this fog of war and propaganda. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. It's war, man. And uh, information warfare is, is of the utmost importance when it comes to strategy and building public support. And I want to again warn everybody that it is typical of countries to to create these stories in order to justify public support or to, to garner public support. But again, I cannot right deny these things when we've seen the videos that we've seen. I've watched a lot of these videos. Dude, it, it, this is a reality. You have people that are trying to make the argument that Hamas was not killing civilians 
And yo, there's there's videos that put the probability towards I, I, I want to be I'm being trying to be very careful on this one. Right. Because this is a this is an insane story. But we'll, we don't know definitively. Right. Whenever big breaking news and war and conflict happens, we must be very careful because old videos are surfaced. People will take videos from other conflicts, claim it's one thing. Photos pop up saying this person jumped on a grenade in your life. And then you find out later it's not true. We saw this with Ukraine, the ghost of Kiev. These stories are fake. But I would say my view right now is probability dictates Hamas likely was killing civilians with with without regard to the age of the victim. That being said, everyone's tweeting right now, babies beheaded. And I'm like, okay, man, welcome to war. Uh, Again, I don't immediately believe or disbelieve, but I would say and I would stress I've seen enough uh, uh, videos so far that I believe it's more likely true than not. But we must be careful because there are many people calling for U.S. intervention to some degree, which I, for the most part, oppose. But I'm sorry, guys. I, I, you know, people will say Tim Pool, Milktoast Fence or whatever. Yeah, I don't have the moral authority or knowledge of these events to be able to determine whether or not we should be taking the lives of individuals. I don't support the death penalty. Do not come to me for your moral answers. I am not a moral philosopher, a priest, imam, rabbi, or any other spiritual leader, and I don't have answers for you. I can simply tell you what's going on and uh, understanding the logic of these stories. That being said, I do think you need to know what is being reported because this, this is going to be the, when it comes to how we remember this moment, it is this story. This is from the JC.com, NewsGuard certified, of course, if you care. Bodies of young Israeli babies, including some with their heads cut off, have been found by IDF soldiers in a southern Israeli kibbutz, according to reports. Soldiers discovered the bodies among burned out houses, strewn furniture and torched cars after Hamas terrorists attacked Kafar Aza kibbutz near the Gaza border. In a video on X slash Twitter, I love how everyone's doing that, by the way. An I-24 journalist said, quote, talking to some of the soldiers here, they say what they witnessed as they've been walking through these communities is bodies of babies with their heads cut off and families gunned down in their beds. We can see some of these soldiers right now comforting each other. Kafar Aza was one of the hardest hit areas when Hamas terrorists attacked Israel on Saturday morning. I watched a video of two militants killing people at point blank range of going into a building and setting fire to the house. And people ask, like, why are they sharing these videos? Why would they? Have you seen the videos coming out of New York where they cheer for this? Look, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Fog of war. We don't know. Just because you're seeing videos doesn't prove anything. That, that's true. I suppose there's a preponderance of evidence. The, the activists in New York City are celebrating the bombing of civilians. Right now, we're getting a report of more rocket fires on Israel, more civilian targets being hit. I, look, if someone comes to me and says, here's a Palestinian activist in New York celebrating uh, civilians being bombed, I'm kind of like, yeah, if, if someone comes to me and says, we found a bunch of dead civilians, including babies, and I'm like, well, those people are celebrating it having happened. What am I supposed to say to this? What I will say is, be wary. Be wary, my friends. I welcome all of the anger and rage from uh, the, the, the more pro-Israel faction for me having brought up this uh, story here. The Nayira testimony, false testimony given before the U.S. Congress by a young woman claiming 
that Saddam's forces were taking babies out of incubators in a Kuwaiti hospital to leave them to die. It was false. It was a lie. These things are often there. There is propaganda. We know this to justify expanding uh, uh, um, military strikes or military presence to generate public support for war and conflict. All I can tell you is this is the report coming out right now based on what I've seen in actual videos that I look, if the argument is that Israel has fabricated several dozen videos of this stuff happening, like, sure, I guess another grand conspiracy. I don't buy it. When you have videos of Hamas militants and terrorists, because they're attacking civilians, celebrating it. When you have activists in New York celebrating it, you have a man celebrating that civilians are killed. I'm not exaggerating. He's laughing about it, saying, that that, you know, they cheer when he says they came in and took a bunch of hipsters who are dancing. I'm sure they're doing fine. And there's they're, they're dead. Like these, there's videos of this man. Whatever. I don't want war. But it's, it's hard to know what's true. We have this story from The New York Post. Israeli family of five, including three young kids murdered by Hamas after taking shelter in a safe room. People are going to believe what they want to believe. I can't do anything about that. By all means, you, you, you look into this and you draw your own conclusions because I do not have the grand moral answers. What I can tell you is I know people uh, uh, from Israel. I also know people uh, whose families come from Palestine. I know reporters who have been to both Gaza and Israel. And I have, I, I, I have friends who had missiles explode. I've seen the videos. I remember talking to one friend who messaged me in a panic saying that a rocket exploded above their house and they're they're panicked and running in their basement. They don't know what to do. And I'm like, man, war is hell. I don't have the answers for you. I can say that 50 billion times. I know journalists who have gone to both places and they say it's bad. You're in Gaza. There's a fear of airstrikes. Hamas, the Al-Qassam brigades, they'll they'll open fire. You're in Israel. You're hiding in a basement as rockets are blowing up above these buildings and hitting apartment buildings, hitting vehicles, hitting buses. And now over 5000 rockets were fired, I think, in just one day reaching Tel Aviv. It's a scary reality of what war is. Yes, civilians die. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't know, man. Israeli family of five, including three young kids murdered by Hamas for taking shelter in a safe room. Yes. Look, when they fire rockets indiscriminately and they hit civilian targets, and this is a fact, why would I believe that this story was a plant or fake? You tell me that Hamas kills civilians and I'm like, right, they've been trying to do that for a long time. And they celebrate it in New York. Here's where things are getting scary. Take all the other news, however you want to take it. CNN is reporting. U.S. offering Israel special operations planning and intel support for any hostage rescue effort, officials say. They say the support would not entail U.S. troops on the ground in Israel. Instead, the assistance would come in the form of intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance. I do not believe it ends there, though. I do believe that there is a decent percentage probability that the U.S. does deploy boots on the ground. We'll get into that. The support would include help from U.S. Central Command and U.S. Special Operations Command, the official said, as well as Joint Special Operations Command, which is the the command within the military that develops special operations tactics and plans. The topic also came up on a call between Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and his Israeli counterpart, Defense Minister Yoav Gallant. Over the weekend, the official said, afterward, Austin directed the JSOC team to lean forward with planning and intel support to the Israeli military. I don't know um, if y'all heard me talking about this the other day, but this is what my fear was, that if U.S. hostages are taken, it's going to be a bunch of JSOC guys dropping out of helicopters. 
This is the story that uh, this, this is what we're trained on. I did what's called uh, a, heat, a heat program, they call it. What is it? Like hostile, hostile environment action training or something. I don't know. And all these journalists, oh, they so desperately want to do the heat training. Stupid. There, uh, you know, when I was, um, I, I covered civil unrest. I did not cover war. I was in Ukraine for uh, just before the ousting of Yanukovych, before it devolved into hot conflict. There were Molotov cocktails. There were buildings being burned down and people were getting hurt. But once the bullets came out, I was gone. I do not have the capabilities, the skills, uh, the prerequisite training to be a, a reporter on the ground in these circumstances. Egypt during the revolution, Brazil during a lot of riots, basically civil unrest and riots were my limit. And it's some brutal stuff too. I was in Egypt. I watched someone die. And so it's, 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 it's brutal stuff. It's brutal stuff. But when you're getting trained, what do they tell you? Well, I'll tell you. They uh, explained to us that if you are taken hostage, it is the policy of the United States not to negotiate, but to just send in special forces and just kill everyone. <laughs> that's, that's how they broke it down to us. Do not panic, retain hope, and we will try to rescue you is what they told us. They said there's a lot of things people try, but um, there's, you know, you never, you never really know exactly how you can, how you deal with this. Like if you're being kidnapped, you can feign illness or weakness. Maybe you're, you're too much of a hassle that they might leave you behind and just like, what's, we don't, we, we need hostages that aren't going to die. And so they just don't waste the bullets. Who cares? Whatever. But you don't know. You may feign illness or whatever. And they may say, this person's no good to us and just kill you. You may just go along and they keep you alive. What they said was their actual advice was to just do as you're told. Uh, don't resist. Uh, escape if you can. But be careful. I mean, they may just kill you. But the reality was for the United States, not negotiating with terrorists, what tends to happen is you'll eventually hear a helicopter overhead, something like 90 plus percent of American hostages are rescued. And dudes will descend from a helicopter in the middle of the night, night vision goggles coming in and just gunning down everyone who took the American hostage. The purpose of this was to send a message that if you take Americans, there is no negotiating, only the death of you and your family. It's brutal. It's war. We actually did this scenario where we uh, uh, they did a bunch of training scenarios. We got kidnapped. I'll tell you the craziest thing. Blindfolded, bags over our heads. They brought us into a warehouse where they made us stand up against a wall, facing the wall for four hours before bringing us into a room where we're sitting at a table and there's a, a light hanging right in front of your face. So you can only see people's legs and then they ask you questions. And they didn't hurt us or anything. You, you, you might get hurt if you're actually kidnapped. This was a training scenario. The crazy thing that I experienced uh, is after uh, it's crazy, you get interrogated. It's kind of fun to do the role play, to be completely honest. They ask you a bunch of questions. I just answered. What are you doing here? Reporting. Why? Uh, it's my job. Who do you work for? Insert company. And then they're like, we don't believe you. You're a spy. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Then they put you back out and make you stand against the wall again. Blindfolded. You can't see. And then all of a sudden we hear a door bang open. We hear screaming, hands up, hands up. Everyone put your hands in the air, hands on the wall. And then eventually you get carried out with your hands cuffed. They bring you outside, pull the, put you on your knees, take the bags off your head. And there's guys in you know military gear with guns. And uh, that's the scenario they put us through. And uh, there's like gunfire and stuff like this. It's crazy to really experience. What uh, uh, has me concerned right now, and the reason I bring this up, is that should this be the actual route that the U.S. takes, it would mean the U.S. direct involvement over what's happening with these American citizens that are being held hostage. And we could be seeing with these stories of babies, with reports that 
JSOC teams leaning into this. We could be seeing an escalation of hot war in the Middle East with U.S. involvement. The U.S. has already deployed a carrier group. They're already now pledging uh, U.S. special forces, not boots on the ground. But I don't think it ends there. Right. We, we are we are seeing this incremental escalation. And there's concerns that Taliban, that uh, uh, Iran are plotting reports now that people in Lebanon are fleeing the southern uh, southern areas as they see this conflict could escalate dramatically. And we could be staring down the barrel of World War Three. And we can only say that. Because with Ukraine, we did have the fear of World War Three. Could could Eastern uh, uh, Eastern European war be World War Three? Because this is Russia, China and Taiwan. We don't know where that door is. But now with this, it's looking like we may have walked through it. If conflict erupts in Israel between Lebanon, Jordan, which pulls in Afghanistan, Iraq and a bunch of other countries, Iran. Maybe then we have Eastern European war, we have Middle Eastern war, and then China seeing their opportunity takes Taiwan. This pulls in Japan. The Korean conflict erupts because North Korea and South Korea are obviously at odds. Australia deploys, uh, you know, their resources and then baby World War Three. I hope not. But come on, where we're at now, I don't know what to tell you. A story of beheaded babies. It doesn't matter if you think it's true or not. And I say this all the time in the fog of war and in war, there is propaganda and we don't know what is true or not. I'm sure there will be many people who are more conservative, more uh, pro Israel telling me, Tim, are you kidding me? You think they're lying about this? And there will be leftists saying that's not true. Nobody's beheading. That's a crazy story. And I'm just kidding. Doesn't matter. It obviously matters in a moral sense if they are killing babies. But in the terms of the grand scheme of war, understand it does not matter if it's true. It matters what people believe. And that means there are people who have witnessed atrocities. I've watched the videos myself. I believe that the preponderance evidence suggests it's more likely true than not. I'm doing the best I can. I typically want hard evidence, but I've seen a lot of these videos. We know the mentality of these activists. They say, oh, they're freedom fighters celebrating the killing of civilians. Why would I disbelieve this? I'll tell you, there's some skepticism because of the past. And I understand war and all that stuff. But I will just say once again, there will be people who will rally and say, look what they've done to these babies. And no one's going to post pictures of beheaded babies, dude. It's just not going to happen. Sorry. So you, I don't know what to tell you. But this will be used as Cass's belly, justification for war. The, the capturing of U.S. citizens may be how the U.S. gets involved in the conflict directly. The U.S. is already pledging support. And then we have this from USA Today. Bring Ite home. American parents plead for Biden's help rescuing hostage held by Hamas. Outside the U.S. Embassy in Israel, parents of a kidnapped American-Israeli dual citizen stood in protest Monday, pleading for action from President Joe Biden to save their son. Itay Chen, a 19-year-old member of the Israeli Defense Forces born in New York City, is believed to be among the 130 or more people kidnapped from Israel by Hamas terrorists now being held captive in Gaza. Hamas threatened explicitly in their own statement they will execute civilians. Uh, like, I, I don't want to tell you, man, these activists, the left is evil. They really are. Where I fall on this is we want the war to end. I don't know how you do it. But Israel's message tends to be we will stop rocket fire by any means necessary, which means if Hamas and the Al-Qassam brigades are operating out of schools and hospitals, those blow up. And what are we supposed to say? No, no, don't take out the rocket depots. Let them keep firing rockets at civilian targets. They're doing it. 
Like they're, 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 they're proud of it. I know a lot of people are just going to on the left are going to keep saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Like, bro, they're in, they're in New York City cheering for it. So just stop. OK, we get it. They, they want the rockets. They're all evil colonizers. We get what you said. Man. This is an American citizen. Some, some have said to me, yeah, but is it an American citizen or a dual citizen? I'm like, does it matter? It doesn't matter. The German national that was reportedly killed, there's now reports that she may be alive, but just severely injured and in Gaza and being held hostage. Dude. This, I, I don't see where this goes other than full-scale war. I wish it was so easy to just be like, we could, we knew how to avoid these conflicts, but the state of the world is and I'm born into it, you're born into it, and the state of the world is as we are now, and we are just, it's dominoes being knocked over. I know a lot of my friends are going to say we should just pull out, not be involved, and just say screw off. I wish I could say it were that easy, but it's not, because American citizens are there. And if an American citizen is trapped, do we just say, no, we leave the Americans to die, it was their choice to be there. Or there are, there is a Israeli American, so they're Israeli citizens too, that's Israel's responsibility, doesn't matter. People in America are not going to stand for U.S. citizens being held hostage, the report of which is now, I think it's maybe, uh, um, there, there's, a, there's more than one. The U.S. embassy sits facing the Mediterranean, the very same one Hamas fighters infiltrated to launch their deadly offensive. An emotional Ruby Chen holding hands with his wife called on the Biden admin to reach out to Hamas leaders who kidnapped his son and demand the militant group follow international laws for protected war prisoners. Corporal Ite Chen serves in Israel's armed corps was on the Gaza border during Saturday's Saturday morning's attack. Raised in New York, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance each day and cheering on American sports, Ite Chen grew up a LA Lakers fan who adored Kobe Bryant. That's how kids are. But you realize he's on the border as an active participant in a military conflict. And this is the challenge we face. An American citizen is an American citizen, and America must afford protection to American citizens. What do we do? You can argue that because he's also fighting for Israel, it is Israel's responsibility. I think it's a fair point, actually. If you were an American, but you choose to go fight in Ukraine, you made your choice to fight for another country. If you're an American Israeli and you fight for Israel in their military, I don't think it's fair to just be like it's an American hostage. It is an American Israeli soldier who's being held hostage. But in the end, the stories are only going to get worse because this is what war is. And I don't see an exit for us. I can say I wish we weren't involved. I can say that I overwhelmingly oppose U.S. intervention in foreign conflict. But I, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels naive. It just feels naive sometimes. Because it's like, it's an inevitability, I suppose. People want to fight. And with what's happening in Israel, with what Hamas does, I, I, don't, I don't see how you have an option. You know, I, I've read a bit about the history of Israel-Palestine, a bit. I mean, like a small bit. And I'm not a bit, an expert on this. And what I see is revisionist history. What I mean to say is the left will tell you that the history is all wrong. And they'll say, here's the truth. The pro-Palestinian side says, here's the truth. The pro-Israel side said, here's the truth. And it's just like, one thing I can tell you is this. The far left lies about everything. They're evil people. Not every single one of them. Maybe they're just, uh, some of them are just the banality of evil, ignorant. But for instance, I played a video this morning from Al Jazeera Plus that said there's only five border crossings with Gaza, completely ignoring that Egypt has a border crossing with Gaza. And I'm like, why? Why don't you bring that up? Show us the nuance. They said they're just trying to return home. I'm like, bro, they killed a bunch of civilians. The liars celebrating death. You're going to hear more about this beheaded babies. It is going to be the rallying cry, the war cry. 
I do not. I, I do not want to see us descend into World War Three and face potential nuclear annihilation over this. I don't have the answers for you, my friends. I'm sorry I've said that 50 times, but that's just the reality. With Americans being held hostage and special forces offering assistance, don't be surprised if the next step is American boots on the ground. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on the channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So yesterday, we talked a bit about Mia Khalifa expressing her support for Hamas, and um, I find it deplorable. I, uh, but what, it is what it is. I mean, we're dealing with a massive conflict, and of course, you're going to see a lot of the support from uh, uh, the far left. But now it is being reported that Playboy has fired Mia Khalifa over her support for Hamas. She's doubled down, calling uh, Hamas freedom fighters and defending what was the uh, uh, killing of civilians. I mean, there's, there's tons of videos of it. So if you don't believe it or whatever, you go on Twitter and you can't escape it. I certainly understand propaganda. I understand fake videos can be made. But uh, yeah, there's, there's too many of these videos from too many angles. So the only real conspiracy theory that could come close to reality is that Israel knew it was coming and did nothing, which I also don't believe. I mean, come on. They, there's, there's tons of things that Israel can do if they're trying to justify some kind of action in, in, in Gaza or whatever. This has been absolutely insane. But let's, let's jump now to the question of free speech and where we're currently at. We have this from Just the News. Playboy and others fire Mia Khalifa after porn star mocks slaughter of Jews in Israel. Playboy and other media outlets fired the Lebanese porn star after she glorified the rape, kidnapping and slaughter of Jews in Israel. Here's a quote. Playboy has always been a champion of free speech. Uh, They said in an email to Khalifa after deleting her channel on its creator platform. We also have no place in our company nor on our platforms for speech that is hateful and dehumanizing. Your recent statement celebrating Hamas attacks on innocent men, women, and children in Israel, including rape, mutilation, killing, and torture, are disgusting and reprehensible. Okay. Is this cancel culture, my friends? She was expressing her opinion. Should she be fired for it? Let's read a little bit more, and then I'll, uh, I'll get into that moral philosophy. Khalifa made several controversial posts on X, formerly Twitter, after Hamas invaded Israel, resulting in the deaths of more than 900 Israelis. I believe it's substantially more than that. I think it's up to 1,600 now. Uh, 11 Americans are dead. Hamas, the U.S. State Department designated terrorist organization that controls the Gaza Strip, also claims to have kidnapped 100 Israelis. If uh, here's I believe this is what uh, uh, she said. If you can look at the situation in Palestine and not be on the side of Palestinians, then you are on the wrong side of apartheid. And history will show that in time. Dude, they killed civilians. They tore down the fences, stormed in and murdered civilians. If you can't see the difference between people fighting for freedom and those who have an ideological bent to murder anyone in the area. Let's let's play a game. A group of people have, have, are on land, milling about doing their thing. A bunch of other people with more powerful weapons come in and then put those people in a camp. The people in that camp say, I got an idea. Anyone here 75 years later is a fair target. It's like, dude, listen, listen. You want to break free? You want to get out? I get it. You want to talk about war? We can reduce it all the way back thousands of years. It's never going to end. The people who are arguing it's actually their homes, bro, people are arguing. This is the, this is the issue. And everyone thinks they're smarter and they know all the answers. Say, so you're naive. You don't get it. Both sides say this. I don't care anymore. You've got one group saying, it's my land. And there's another group saying, it's my land. Yeah, but before your, it was yours, it was mine. Before it was yours, it was mine. What am I supposed to do? I got no answers for you. I can only tell you, how do we stop the fighting? If one group is going around and, and killing civilians and it's on video, I don't know to tell you. They say that Israel's bombing civilian targets. Yeah, they're bombing targets 
that like, it, it makes no sense militaristically for Israel to just randomly blow up civilians. They're targeting areas where there are weapons stored and Hamas leadership is using his base of operations and they use human shields. Hamas, as we've already seen from far leftists, believe that anyone there is a colonizer stealing their land and their fair game. That's I don't tell, what, what, I don't want to tell you. And this is what Mia Khalifa is defending. But again, this is not yeah, man, brutal subject. In another post, which has since been removed from the platform, Khalifa said, can someone please tell the freedom fighters in Palestine to flip their phones and film horizontal? This is a really funny thing. Sirius XM Canada radio host and comedian Todd Shapiro became the first person to fire Khalifa, which he did via X, saying, consider yourself fired effective immediately, simply disgusting, beyond disgusting. Please evolve and become a better human being. The fact you are condoning death, rape, beatings and hostage taking is truly gross. No words can explain your ignorance, Shapiro said Saturday evening. Khalifa responded to Shapiro on Sunday, saying, I just want to make sure there's 4K footage of my people breaking down the walls of the open air prison they've been forced out of their homes and into. So we have good options for the history books that write about how they freed themselves from apartheid. Please worry about your sad little company lacking direction and purpose before you utter my name again. Absolutely detestable. There's videos of civilians being murdered and these people lie about everything. That's all I can say. I just I'm disgusted by it. And uh as interesting questions. I think we have moral lines. I do. When it comes to cancel culture, the problem is not that someone might be fired for saying a naughty word. The problem is when words are taken out of context. And the problem is when they dig into your history. And regardless of your actual stance today or apologies or however you feel, they attack you and try and get you fired. Somebody posts 10 years ago, controversial opinion. They then say, hey, this person, person posted a nasty thing 10 years ago. And I'm like, shut up. Okay, that's just stupid. Someone says something and they say, what he really meant was this. Okay, you're fired. What? No, I didn't. For example, one of the first instances of cancel culture was a woman who was flying. She was on a plane and she made a post about AIDS in South Africa. It was meant to be snarky and actually a fairly woke joke. But instead, it was taken as racist and she lost her job. I'm like, dude, come on. Seriously? I'm torn. I really am. Obviously, there are people at Timcast who are very anti-establishment, anti-neocon, and uh, uh, oppose a lot of what Israel is doing. You're allowed to have your opinions, but boy, does it get heated. So my, 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 my view on this is, man, it's tough. I don't know that I can absolutely say that if someone at Timcast made the statements Khalifa made, I would immediately fire them over it. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. Uh, but I would lean towards, maybe you don't want to be here, is the, is the bigger question. But uh, we've had people who work here who have tweeted very shocking things, and uh, I never tell people to take it down. I just I just won't do it. I just don't. There have been certain circumstances where we've had people post things that are shocking, controversial statements. And my only response is, have you considered have you considered what the ramifications of your statement and your media posts would be in the in the in, you know, in the greater public? And the answer is yes. And I said, OK, all right. What can I say? Uh, there are certainly some, there, there are moral lines I have where I do think someone could post something where I'd absolutely be like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't want to work with you anymore. And that's it. No one is entitled to the money of the Timcast, you know, corporation. And if you hold certain views that are extreme and abhorrent, that would escalate things to war, conflict and violence. And I decide that I don't want to work with you over it. 
I think that's actually fair. It's a mutual arrangement. It is not a punishment. It is not like, how dare you defy my whims? It's, hey, like, I don't think we mesh as a group. Have you, maybe, maybe we should go our separate ways. But I've not done that. And I don't know. I, I, I think I have a higher tolerance than many on the left. The left, like, you say something like, I just kind of want to vote for Trump. You're fired. You're, you're racist. You're hateful. And that's the issue. The issue I think we take is more of where our moral frameworks lie. And, you know, for me, it's kind of like if there's videos of civilians being murdered and you're gloating and laughing and celebrating it, I'm probably going to have an issue with that. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't know what my initial reaction would be. I think there would be like a meeting, a conversation, and it wouldn't be so knee jerk. Like, like if someone like Mia Khalifa was working here and said something like this, I'd probably be like, let's talk. Let's have a conversation about it. And then my response would probably just be like, if we don't agree on this, I only ask you to really tone it down because, dude, I oppose war, conflict and civilians being murdered. And we have values that we represent here. Like we're, we're fairly anti-intervention here. Cassandra Fairbanks, for instance, she's been tweeting quite a bit. She's she's 100 percent absolutely anti-intervention. And uh, uh, that's, that's absolutely OK. Totally fine. I just don't know if I could ever work with somebody who would justify the murder of civilians, be it uh, Palestinian or Israeli. Right. I think, you know, as, as I've stated, it's like I don't like that civilians die in Israel, but it's war and I don't have any answers. If Hamas storms in and kills civilians, but then claims they're returning home, I see that as a lie. If Israel says we are targeting Hamas and the Al-Qassam brigades and we've given warning to civilians, it's bad. It's still bad. Civilians shouldn't be dying. That's why it's like when people call for a ceasefire, I'm like, man, it's tough. A ceasefire after Hamas kills a bunch of people and continually fires rockets, 5,000 rockets. What do we do? I don't know. I just don't. And so I just hope that everybody has one simple stance of we all recognize civilians dying is bad and we hate it. We lament it. I'm sorry it's happening. You start there and I say, OK, I don't see any justification for what Hamas did. Killing civilians, they didn't need to do that to, to attain their objectives. Burning down houses. I watched a video. That videos could be fake. I get it. But I'm like, dude, I don't think all these videos are fake, man. I saw a video of people being killed point blank range. Like these, these videos that come up are brutal. Some of them I think are probably fake. It's war. It happens. It's propaganda. But when they celebrate this stuff in New York. So this is the big question I have for all of you, I suppose, as it pertains to Mia Khalifa. Should she be fired for this? Or should they just be like, you have your opinions, man. We don't come to you for your opinions on Israel. I think, uh, obviously, as people pointed out, if your boss is, uh, has the last name Shapiro, he might want to consider uh, not celebrating the death of Jewish civilians in this conflict. But this is, um, this is war, war as hell. I think people could be, even if you support Palestine, right? And there are people who absolutely do. You can at least come out and be like, no one supports or, or no one should be supporting what Hamas did. Okay. It is detrimental to the people of Palestine. It is detrimental to the stability of the region and storming in by a paraglider and, and hell and, and, and everything they've done. It did not help the people of Palestine. It made things worse and it continually made things worse. But the problem is these people are ideologues and they've resigned themselves to say they would rather lose and see civilians die than give up the fight. What do you do? There's a lot of questions. If your neighbor was taken over by far left extremists, your buildings were seized and your city gone and you were kicked out. And then 
You're like, well, how would you feel about that? Would you just say it's it? They've won? Would you fight back? I mean, honest question. And that's how these people feel. I don't see why you would go in and Antifa takes over a bunch of buildings, rents it out, you know, several years later to some like random family. How does it make sense to go in and then attack the family? That's just how I say it. I'm like, I can understand wanting your land back if it was seized by, by oppressive forces in your view. But how does that justify just burning down properties and killing families? You're not securing territory. You're just killing people. So I guess that this, this is a tough question. Should Mia Khalifa have been fired? I, I got to be honest. I like lean slightly towards. Yeah, not should be. But like the guy who owns the company has a right to do it. And these are shocking statements. But I wonder if there's there's better ways of dealing with this. And the reason why I say this is when it comes to cancel culture, the questions are, is it out of context? Is it old or in the past? Did it come from the person? Is it a true story? Are there other ways to resolve the issue? And more importantly, I think they may have been uh, uh, they, they may have done more towards peace and understanding if they approached her in private before just firing her publicly. I'm not the arbiter of morality, my friends, but I do think that when it comes to whether or not someone should be banned for speech, it's not really about free speech. A lot of people just recognize there were moral lines. And for this one, a lot of people rejected it. But I don't know. I, I, I honestly think her statements are disgusting, but it's tough. Was she advocating for more death is the question. I, I, for me personally, it feels like when you get to that point where you're celebrating the murder of civilians, like you've crossed a moral line that I can't, I can't support. If your advocacy is opposed to war because of the death of civilians and because of this conflict and stuff, like I get it. But I don't know. I'll throw it to you guys. What do you think? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. I did talk about this this morning, but uh, we do have some updates and I think it bears repeating because we're entering an election cycle and the news is going to get extreme, but there are serious risks to our safety. And uh, I always just say the simple answer for everybody is to take care of yourself, be prepared. Uh, uh, Man, I'd say move out of cities if you can. But the reporting now from TimCast.com, terrorist attacks predicted for U.S. after Hamas assault in Israel. Some say waves of attacks could hit major U.S. cities over the next 14 months, a time frame that coincides with the 2024 election. Yep, certainly, certainly. We knew something would happen, but um, you have to wonder, does it? No, don't you? Here we go. The election cycle is starting, and many people have said, Tim, a wartime president's never lost. Yet, well, Biden's the opposite of a wartime president. He's, uh, uh, he's, he's absent, incoherent, and I think... When you have a president this bad in a conflict like this, you may get the inverse reaction of a massive appeal for someone else, anyone else. Following this weekend's deadly attacks in Israel, which resulted in the worst carnage the country has seen since the Yom Kippur War in October 1973, the U.S. is being warned that a similar attack or series of attacks could be carried out domestically. Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the porous U.S. southern border, coupled with numerous individuals, from the terrorist watch list being intercepted there could spell disaster for the nation. Quote, we could wake up ourselves. We could have the same thing happen, happen next week to us, McCarthy told the Washington Free Beacon. We caught more people in the terror watch list in February than we caught in the entire administration. We could have cells sitting inside of America right now. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And then one day you could wake up and the people who have poured across that border who want free stuff and don't care for your laws may just say you are in the way. You're a problem. 
The warning comes as questions swirl concerning Israeli intelligence, saying they were caught off guard by the multi-pronged Hamas attack, which involved air, ground and sea assets and hit both military and civilian targets. Israel has the fourth strongest military in the world, trailing the US, China and Russia. The country's intelligence agency, Mossad, has been regarded as the best in the world. The combined death tolls from Israelis, members of Hamas and Palestinian civilians surpassed 1500 on Monday after the devastating attacks took place. We should take a step back and look at ourselves, McCarthy said. Your intel is never perfect. And we've got a wide open border. They're coming from 160 countries, including those known to harbor militant operatives with ties to global terror organizations. How did we not know that is happening in the Gaza Strip? McCarthy asked. What is happening? Everybody should look at their own intelligence right now. Much of the information obtained by intelligence agencies is gleaned through the collection of some type of electronic means, cell phones, calls, metadata, etc., etc., etc. And geofencing, however, a retired U.S. general says that Hamas was able to evade authorities by avoiding those platforms. There's a famous story, my friends, about a war game that was conducted. Many of you actually know the name of it because people have commented and corrected me. Basically, they had some like old school general up against some young bucks and the old school general guy won the war game. Why? They uh, uh, wrote down the, the orders on a note, folded it, put it in the pocket of a guy on a motorcycle. He delivered the information. They couldn't intercept it. They were so heavily reliant on digital means of communication. I'm not surprised at what we're seeing. But the worrying thing right now is that, yes, our southern border is porous. We don't know how bad the security is. And we're supposed to believe we should be focused on the far right. You got this guy from the ADL, Jonathan Greenblatt, going on MSNBC saying, how could you frame these? These are not fighters. They're terrorists. Who's writing the script? I love this show, but ADL, dude, you side with these people. This is the most infuriating, infuriating thing. The ADL insults people on the right. They lie about the beliefs of what people on the right say. They call everything hate speech. Apparently every number is hate speech. And the people they side with hate and want to kill Jews. I'm not exaggerating. I wish I was. They are chanting in the streets, celebrating the death of Israeli civilians. It's crazy. We have a, a lot of Eliyahu. It's fascinating because like we've got an eclectic bunch here at Timcast. Cassandra Fairbanks, anti-intervention, 100% hates neocons. Then we got a lot Eliyahu, ground reporter, who claims to be a neocon. We get along despite our disagreements, even when they're very serious. But in Elad's video, he's talking to protesters in New York and he says, one guy's holding up a Hamas flag and he says, what's this flag you're holding? The guy shakes his head and he goes, do you support this, this flag? And the guy shakes his head and then someone goes, are you a Jew? And he goes, I am. The police then pull him away. You know, they despise and hate Jewish people. It's creepy. We've seen this with the Women's March. I think I mentioned this earlier. These far leftists from the Women's March are anti-Semitic. And I know it's like I, the, the word has become such a trope, but seriously, because of groups like the ADL, anti-Semitism means almost nothing. But yeah, you had the Women's March organizers outright like tablet magazine report on how they just were, were like, they really hate Jewish people. It's what you get. BLM leaders, of course, many of them hold these views. Quote, what Hamas did, what their leadership did was apparently they moved off of normal modern communications links that we had take for granted every day and went back to what you did in the 19th century, face-to-face meetings. They went and used couriers instead of going in and using the telephone or the cell phone. Retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Cedric Layton said during a CNN interview, 
However, during a separate interview with the network, he acknowledged the unlikelihood that a premier intelligence apparatus would have failed to connect the dots. Quote, I can understand that it would be possible to miss the fact that they are targeting, that they're getting together a specific group at a specific time and perhaps who those people are and as a specific piece of intelligence. But every time there is a meeting of people like Hamas would have had to uh, have had, they would be talking to people. There would be movements in the streets. There would be certain things that would be going on, even if they are not broadcast or not talked about on a cell phone or a radio or something like that. Yes, but listen, you got one guy who's in Hamas and he meets with a guy for uh, uh, he's buying a bag of uh, beans. And then as he's buying the beans, he hands money with a note tucked inside. That guy then goes and meets another guy to source his beans, passes a note along. These things are incredibly hard to track. The argument here is they don't even need to have face-to-face meetings to organize these things. The note can simply say that the beans will be delivered today at 7 p.m. And the beans refer to weapons coming through tunnels. With little bits of information, you can coordinate a lot. The problem is that we've, you know, so, so during these protests that I've been at, right, Occupy Wall Street and such, they always, the, the activists would always argue they're, they're, they're jamming our cell phones. Nah, they're not jamming your cell phones, dude. The cell phone towers just can't handle this many people. In fact, they deploy mobile cell towers to make the communication stay up, to keep them up. Why? They're spying on you. And I saw this again with uh, uh, people on the right who are protesting, and they were like, I think the feds are shutting our phones down. I'm like, no, dude, come on. You don't have the same experience as the leftists, but I'll say this again. They want you using your phone because they spy on you. It is hard for them to spy on you when you don't have phones. So that's why activists on the left, they get this. They put their phones in the freezer or they put them in the bathroom and then run water. And then they go to another room and they talk quietly, very quietly. That's how they organize. Yep. Not, not kidding. That's probably what many of these people were doing. In fact, what Hamas could have done is actually held these meetings and made false plans. Yep. They hold in-person meetings and talk on the phone and they say things somewhat secretly to throw Mossad and other intelligence agencies off the trail and say things like from the north to the tunnels when they're really doing something quite different. And then you have Egypt saying that they warned Israel. Israel may have acted on these warnings, but their intel was bad because they got tricked. They just don't know for sure. McCarthy was the only high profile individual sounding the alarm over attacks in the U.S. Independent journalist Laura Loomer posted a message on X saying that sources have told her there were emergency meetings with U.S. intel this weekend to discuss the rise of Hamas terror cells operating in the U.S. Loomer cited posts on the social media app Telegram where Hamas urged their supporters to retaliate against Americans for the support for Israel. She further claimed Hamas terrorists have already infiltrated the U.S. through the southern border and are planning to attack U.S. major U.S. cities over the next 14 months. Hey, the election. So far this year, more than 151 individuals on the terror watch that have been apprehended. I think it's about 160, maybe higher than that. But yeah, there have also been nearly 2 million gotaways who've made their way into the interior since the beginning of 2021. Trump warned about this and they called him a liar. I remember Trump was saying there may be terrorists coming in and the left, the Democrats, the media all came out and said, no, 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 no. No, Trump's exaggerating. Trump's lying. Oh, that's crazy. I'm worried about what we're going to see. Don't be surprised. These people in New York are cheering for this. Don't be surprised at what you see. It is not hard for Hamas to get in this country with a porous border. But more importantly, there are people in this country who are Americans who who support and harbor sympathies for Hamas and hate Israel. It could escalate to that point. There are crazy people out there, man. I hope everybody stays safe. 
pays attention to what's going on, prepares for the worst and hopes for the best. But I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at uh, tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. So on top of everything else, banks are collapsing and uh, interest rates are going up. And uh, man, as we enter this election year, it is going to get wild. But here's the story. The rise of the mega bankruptcy. 459 U.S. firms have filed for bankruptcy this year, the most since 2020, and 16 had more than $1 billion in assets. Economists warn large-scale bankruptcies can have devastating consequences. 459 firms. And have you seen mortgage rates, uh, the interest rates, sorry, super high. And uh, I was watching a video breaking down the cost of owning property uh, based on the interest rates at this level. And it's already becoming impossible for millennials to buy. The, it's like renting a, a one bedroom in New York is four grand. Buying is out of the question. The only thing I can see here is there's, there's going to be a hard fall. This on top of war, conflict, crisis, etc. I hope you are ready for what comes next. They report large scale corporate bankruptcies are at their highest level since 2020 as elevated interest rates continue to batter businesses. This year, giants, giants such as Bed Bath & Beyond, trucking firm Yellow, wedding retailer David's Bridal have fired for, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy thanks to a perfect storm of rampant inflation, high rates, and chain, supply chain disruptions. We've also got rising crime, CVS, Walgreens, Target, etc. They're shutting their stores down. And as I mentioned, the, uh, the banks that have already faltered in, the, in, in uh, this year, Oh, boy. Are you ready for what comes next? Fear of, of terror attacks in the U.S., war, conflict, crisis. I don't know, man. The Daily Mail says, what's more is so-called mega bankruptcies. Those by companies with more than one billion in assets hit 16 in the first half of the year. By comparison, figures from consulting firm Cornerstone Research show there have been an average of 11 mega bankruptcies in the first six months of every year between 05 and 2022. Analysts at Cornerstone added the biggest corporate bankruptcy this year was SVB. That's the bank, Silicon Valley Bank, which had $175 billion in customer deposits at the time of filing. Economists warn the rise in large-scale collapses can have devastating consequences for the economy. For example, the demise of the trucking firm Yellow, which had $2.15 billion in assets. The rise in bankruptcies coupled with a weakening stock market and surge in credit card delinquencies has sparked fears the U.S. is heading for a recession. But Stephen Blitz, chief U.S. economist at Global Data TS Lombard, insisted any downturn would be less severe than the 0709. Oh, OK. I mean, that's not saying a lot. It got bad. Take a look at this. CNBC. Housing industry urges Powell to stop raising interest rates or risk an economic hard landing. Top real estate and banking officials are calling on the Federal Reserve to stop raising interest rates as the industry suffers through surging housing costs and a historic shortage of available homes for sale. In a letter Monday addressed to the Federal Board of Governors and Chair Jerome Powell, the officials voiced their worries about the direction of monetary policy and the impact it is having on the beleaguered real estate market. The National Association of Home Builders, the Mortgage Bankers Association, and the National Association of Realtors said they wrote a letter to convey profound concern shared among our collective membership that ongoing market uncertainty about the Fed's rate path is contributing to recent interest rate hikes, hikes and volatility. There's nothing you can do, my friends. I'm sorry. This is the sad reality. You know why? 
If they don't raise interest rates, inflation is out of control. It's resulting in bankruptcies. The economy's in trouble. They raise interest rates. Now the housing market's in serious trouble. Ain't nothing you can do about it, my friends. It's going to get bad as far as I can tell. And it's interesting because we're entering 2024. Joe Biden is already suffering in the polls. Trump is already ahead. And with economy this bad, I don't see how Trump loses as of today. Certainly something could happen tomorrow, like Trump drops out of the race. I don't know. As a medical issue, as of right now, the American people are suffering and facing hardship. There is war on the horizon. There is an active war already in Ukraine. The U.S. is about to get dragged in. Putin's threatening nuclear annihilation. Israel and and Palestine is erupting. And the economy ain't doing too well. So what happens? Why is the economy doing poorly? Well, Mike Cernovich had a tweet about this. Smart guy. He's had a lot of really great tweets lately. When the economy tanks, many young males will have no nothing, no opportunities and nothing to do but enlist. I remember uh, I was talking to some people about this years ago, that uh, whenever the military needs to boost their recruitment, they just wait for economic downturn. How convenient. And then people with no choice say, my best job choice is to enlist. Guaranteed salary. You get in, your food, everything's taken care of. So all you got to do is put all that money in the bank and save it up. And then when you get out, you'll have like 20 grand or something. Recruitment bonus as well. The economy is facing dire straits at a time when we may be entering very serious war and conflict. So consider this. The young men who feel lost, listless, and bored. But it's a woke military. I don't know if it's going to actually attract a lot of these guys. They may choose to be homeless and just say, no way. No way. So what, what happens and where does it occur? You know, I can tell you this. People can't afford to buy houses, so they're renting. This means they're not building wealth. They're not retaining any of that money they put in. It's not so easy. Uh, uh, you know, I'll put it this way. If you're, a, if you're a landlord or a landowner and you're renting things out, you're not really making a profit. Profits are, are slim. If you own like 50 properties, you can live off it. You're, you're, gener- you're, you're probably doing very, very well. But for the average person who owns like one or two homes and they rent it out, they're supplementing their income, but they're probably not living off of it, especially if they want to have a family. But they are putting that money towards the mortgage, which builds wealth for the homeowner and not the rentee. With rising interest rates, it's going to, man, I saw this in uh, Ukraine. It was terrifying. The oligarchs could afford. So, so here's how it worked. I was looking at property prices in Ukraine and I'm like, it's like $300,000 for a house in the city. And I'm like, what? No Ukrainian could afford that. It's true. Only the ultra wealthy could. And then they rent it out to the citizens at dirt rates. Something like um, 100 bucks a month because they only made like 400 bucks a month equivalent. The, the, the salaries are in Hrivna, I think this is the currency. But uh, it, was, it was like, on average, they made like $400 a month and they paid about 100 bucks a month in rent. But the properties cost $300,000. So no regular Ukrainian could afford to buy it and build wealth. That's how you get oligarchy. And that's where we're going right now. With all of these bankruptcies, you are going to see major industry collapse and it's going to hit you hard. Jobs disappear. People can't afford to, to rent even. You're you're going to be forced to see the government subsidize things. And it's all happening at a time where there is conflict escalating. Is it a coincidence? I don't know. But my friends, I hope you are taking care of yourselves and thinking ahead. What can I say? What do, I won't give you. I don't want to give you any financial advice, right? I don't do that. But I'll tell you what I do. Gold, silver, mm-hmm. Bitcoin, you bet. Cash, absolutely. Cash is not a great, a great thing to have, in my opinion. But um, because of inflation, 
you hold on to cash, it eventually becomes worthless, with, especially with high inflation. Gold and silver are great, but they're hard to trade with. You can get like small silver coins for sure. And that's one thing people do. But gold is hard. It's so valuable. What are you going to do? Like I have a gold bar. I want a sandwich. Can you break off a piece of the gold? No. I mean, maybe they have the gold backs, the gold foil currency. It's, you know, one one thousandth of a troy ounce or whatever. I actually have a bunch of those as well. Cash is good, though, because in the event the banks put limits on spending and withdrawals and things like this, you're going to want to be able to buy and you might need physical cash. Or if there is an attack on our infrastructure or the Internet, cash will be king. I don't have the answers for you, my friends. Just some information and things to consider. And uh, as uh, we, we entertain the possibility of World War Three, let those who insult the preppers continue laughing. It's like the story of the ants and the grasshopper. Man, do you want to be the ant or the grasshopper? The ants stored for winter. The grasshopper died. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.